Live with CDP, a weekly sports and entertainment podcast, live on YouTube, Facebook Live, Twitter, and on audio via Apple Podcast, Google Podcast, Spotify, and Anchor FM. Now here's your host, Chris Pame. Good morning. Welcome to Live with CDP Podcast Season 3, Episode 53 on this Friday, June 17th, 2022. Uh, I'm just looking forward to my guest today, uh, Griffin Della Pena. Uh, he's a content uh, digital writer for the Sabres and Bandits websites. And uh, we're just waiting for him to come on this morning. He's just got a technical difficult technical issue. So hopefully we'll have that resolved in Griffin uh, we'll be on in the next uh, minute or two. So I'm looking forward to speaking to Griffin about the Buffalo Bandits. As, as you guys know, are playing game three of the NLL finals tomorrow night, Saturday night at eight o'clock at the Key Bank Center in downtown Buffalo. And uh, I wish I could be at that game. Uh, like I said, it should be a hell of a game. And I wouldn't be surprised if it goes to overtime. So just bear with me, guys. And I'm going to bring on my guest, Griffin. And uh, we're going to talk some Bandits and some Buffalo Sabres as well. And it's a big weekend going on in Buffalo. So one second. Hey, Griffin, how you doing, buddy? Hey, Chris, how are you? Good to see you. Good, good. Thank you so much for coming on. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I know we talked about this a few weeks back when you were in Buffalo at the Bandits game. So I'm glad that it's finally happening. Ironically, that was the last time the Bandits had lost a game was uh, April 30th to the Toronto Rock, uh, 10 to 7. Yeah, well, then, I mean, you have to count last weekend, too. But after, uh, you know, a a really good regular season, that definitely was a little blemish there. But we had a good little streak going, and we'll see what we can do uh, game three on Saturday. Okay. Um, I know you can't really comment a lot on this, but I just want to say uh, uh, thoughts and prayers to uh, Kim Bagola, and hopefully Mm. she uh, uh, gets better and feels better soon. Yeah, you know, that was definitely uh, something that we found out about just uh, the night before uh, the news broke and, you know, very scary stuff. But, yeah, she's definitely in all of our uh, thoughts and prayers right now, that's for sure. And I was going to say, and it just shows you how uh, important health is. Health is the number one thing right now. Mm -hmm. And nothing else really matters in the big picture other than being healthy. Yeah, very true. Very true. So um, I was going to say, yeah, so I just wanted to mention that. But uh, I was going to say, you must be excited about tomorrow night. Uh, A sellout crowd, 19,000 plus fans. It's probably been, what, three or four years since the Bandits have had a sellout at the Key Bank Center? Yeah, I mean, I'm just trying to think. Like when I was younger, so I I grew up in Buffalo and uh, going to games when I was younger, that was what Banditland was. And I think because of the pandemic, you know, maybe some fans are afraid to go out or maybe they don't have the funds to go to games. There's there's a lot of different factors that go into that. But even though we've had great crowds so far this season, it has not been a sellout crowd. And what better time to have your first sellout crowd than game three of the NLL final. So personally, I'm really excited to see it just to bring that atmosphere back because even throughout, you know, the Sabre season, we had very few sellouts as well. So uh, it's going to be really cool to have a packed barn and such a huge game. And I know the players after talking to some of them this week, they're really excited about it. 
Yeah, I really wish I could have uh, gone to the game, but uh, the good news is I'm going to watch on TSN, and yep. uh, also I'm going to be in Buffalo next weekend for a couple of Bison's games. Thanks to my friend Pat Malacaro, he yeah, set me up guy. with a he set me up with a media uh, press box pass. So nice. I'm going to take my bring my laptop and write a blog, and then hopefully I'll be able to uh, uh, talk to him and Duke and maybe some. Uh, some other people and do some uh, more short interviews. I'm doing, I'm doing these short live interviews. Now I'm posting them on my uh, YouTube channel. Nice. Yeah. Pat's a great guy. Uh, I've gotten to do a little bit of commentary with him at Canisius where I go to school. He does some baseball and softball broadcasts before the bison season starts. Uh, and a little funny story about Pat. So when he got his career really taken off, he was the broadcaster for the Batavia muck dogs that was also the team that I got my first break for was the Batavia Muck Dogs this past year. So it's like a little lineage of, of guys that have worked for the Muck Dogs and they've worked their way up. So it's a pretty cool connection. Cool. And uh, I'm bringing them some treats for him and Duke. I guess they love Coffee Crisp chocolate bars. Apparently you guys still can't get Coffee Crisp in in Buffalo, even though Nestle's makes them. Yeah, I was uh, last time I was in Hamilton – yeah, for the playoffs, I had those for the first time, and they're really good. That was the first time in my entire life I've had them, but, yeah, I was a big fan. Okay, well, maybe, hey, uh, maybe I'll run into you next weekend. At the, <laughs> I'm going to be at the ballpark Friday and yeah. Saturday, so maybe I'll run into you because uh, I'll, I'm going to be bringing a whole bunch over for Pat and Duke, and maybe I'll get you a couple if, uh, if you're going to happen to be at one of those games. Yeah, maybe. We'll see. Definitely. So, hey, I was going to ask you before we get into some questions, uh Media for this game, how many people are you expecting from the Buffalo, Colorado, and the Canada area for this uh, end of the media press box at uh, the Key Bank, uh, the Ted Darling press box? You know, I'm definitely hoping that it's more than what we've seen. Uh, you know, from your personal experience, you saw that, unfortunately, the NLL doesn't really get as much media attention as some of the other professional leagues that we have here in North America. And I think that's starting to change too, right? Like throughout the season, you're starting to see more buzz. And I think that has a lot to do with the ESPN and TSN deal that the league now has. But I think in general, people in Buffalo are now more excited or more interested about it because they're in the finals. And maybe this is the first time that they're really hearing about it all season long. So there definitely will be a larger media presence at this game. And there was for game one, two. Uh, but again, you'd like to see that ramped for the entire season, not just me and, you know, Bud Bailey in the press box in a game in mid-February. You know, you, you want to see that sort of, uh, you know, community involvement from the local news stations and maybe more beat writers that are talking about the team throughout the season instead of just at the end of the season. But back to your question, uh, there will definitely be some more people, which is which is awesome for the team and also great for the league. How many people can you accommodate in that box? Is there just that one area where I was with Bud, or is there another area too? No. So if you keep going down, so if you continue to go down that hallway, um, in each one of those rooms, I know you were talking to John Gertler as well. Uh, all those are different separate rooms for broadcasts, whether that's you know TV or radio. And then you'll start to see that there's another opening and a large – you know, almost, I would say it's it's another two-story press area uh, where they can accommodate more people, but they mostly put scouts there. So, you know, there's the off-ice scouts from each one of the professional teams that has a designated spot in those areas. But again, those scouts aren't there every single game. 
uh, so they can tuck some other people over there as well. Okay, so who's responsible for taking care of the media coming? Is it uh, Aliyah Clements? Yeah, so she's definitely one of those people. Uh, you know, the PR team, now that the Sabres season is done, uh, Chris Durkin and Nicole Hendricks, they're in charge of the Sabres side of things. Uh, so they definitely have had a little bit more involvement now that, you know, their schedule's freed up. So throughout the playoff run, they've kind of taken the reins from Ali a little bit, but she still definitely has a, a large part as well. Okay. And the game will be on uh, WGR 550 or will it be on the bet? No, it'll be on WGR, uh, which is you know good for our, our radio crowd here in Buffalo. We have some avid uh, radio listeners on 550, so it's definitely going to be good for them. Looking forward to it. And originally, it was, what, a 7.30 um, face-off, but I guess they moved it back to 8 because of uh, TSN and ESPN, I guess. Yep, so the TV deals just bumped it back 30 minutes. We saw that last week in Game 2 uh, in Colorado. They moved that game time back. Maybe just some scheduling conflicts, nothing too crazy, but yeah, just 30 minutes back. So it'll be 8 p.m. face-off instead of 7.30. Okay. Now, obviously, TSN's going to have their own crew. I'm not sure if John Abbott's going to be doing the game because I know he's covering the uh, the Memorial Cup, the OHL playoffs right mm -hmm. now. So I, I assume Pat Gregor, Ashley Docking will be there. I'm just not sure if the, it's the other guy, Teddy, I think's his name. Yeah. He filled in for John last week. Now, ESPN Plus, is it going to be the – John, John uh, from the Bandits doing the, the Samuel cast for ESPN Plus? No. So what they actually did last week for the ESPN crew when I watched the game uh, just to, you know, get some updates and what have you was actually the TSN broadcast and they just put the TSN broadcast on ESPN Plus. Okay. So I'm expecting the same thing to happen this week too. Okay. Because then the John can focus on radio, and I'm sure yep. he probably prefers doing radio. I, I can't speak for him, but I'm sure mm -hmm. he prefers doing radio better. So that's and you know what, and they do that with the CFL too. The CFL is now on ESPN and ESPN Plus yep. in the states, and they just basically use the TSN crew as well instead of having two separate crews for this. Yeah, I think so. it makes it easier in general. Just logistically, makes a little bit more sense to you know just. Even though the, the graphic still says TSN, I mean, the people in the States aren't going to be mad that it doesn't say ESPN instead. So uh, maybe, uh, you know, makes a little bit more sense and saves them some money too. Okay. Before we get to questions, I want to ask you one other question. What's the status on LA, uh, LA McLaughlin? I guess he's got 20 goals, 21 assists, 41 points for Colorado. He obviously missed the game last week. Is there yeah. any possibility he could play tomorrow night? So from what I've heard, uh, five hours before game two, he was put on IR. So okay. like many other sports, the IR is just not a one-week thing. That mostly means, you know, two to three weeks. Uh, wow. So I've heard that that's still going to be the case. When I talked to John Tavares, the Bandits head coach this week, they're expecting him to not be in the lineup. But regardless, they still have to focus on – Connor Robinson and Zed Williams and the secondary scoring that really willed them to the game two victory. Uh, so they still have a, a daunting task, but it definitely hurts Colorado because it, you have to think of it like this. He did not play last week and he still leads in goals, assists and points in the playoffs. And he didn't even play last week. And I, I think Dane and Josh are tied for second in points and they're still, I, I mean, a ways away from McLaughlin, McLaughlin so yes. it, yeah it's it's kind of crazy I was gonna say that game Colorado got off to a two nothing start and then Buffalo went up six to three I think one of the turning points in that game I don't know if you agree with me Griffin was that 
goal at the halftime. Like there was what mm-hmm. less than two seconds or one second, and it made it six to four. And it just seemed to to change the game for Colorado in that second half because they outscored Buffalo uh, seven to two in the second half. Yeah, it it gave them a little bit more momentum heading into the second half. I would say they called the timeout with like twenty seconds remaining, got the goal with one point five seconds left, and to make it a two goal game instead after a really dominant second quarter for Buffalo gave them a little bit more juice. But I think the real key for Colorado was their first seven goals were scored by Connor Robinson and Zeb Williams. That's all that they had. Their offense was those two guys, which isn't a bad thing. But you have to start to expect some secondary scoring at some point. And that's when Tyson Gibson got involved. That's when you see some other guys start to, you know, get some good possessions, get some good looks. And when those shots start to fall, it's tough for Buffalo because you're keying so much on those top two guys. If they have some other people that start to, you know, play their best lacrosse, they're going to be tough to beat. Well, and the good news for the Bandits is they don't have to go to Colorado anymore because they're rolling two there. So Colorado seems to match up well with the Bandits. The one thing I noticed about the Bandits team is they seem to they they seem to start out strong, but then the second half they like the game against the Rocket went to uh, Mm. the Rocket scored them seven to two. It just seems like the third quarter, the fourth quarter. I don't know what it is. They just they're not as the same team there. And it's a complete switch from what they were in the beginning of the season. I would say that that game specifically that you're talking about to end the regular season, that was almost the, the switch in dynamic between their offense. Because before that, their offense, full 60 minutes, I mean, they were grooving. And after that game, I think the, the Rock started to maybe dissect some things that they could you know, get their offense uh, off their regular flow a little bit more. And that kind of stunned them a little bit. I mean, that game, Dane Smith didn't register a point. That's only the third time in his illustrious career that's ever even happened. And that was just a a prime example of them, you know, not really getting into that groove. And you saw it this past week, too. In the first quarter, they're down 2-0. to And their offense really looked confused. If you want to compare that to the week before, scoring 15 goals, and then you're going to get a goose egg in the first 15 minutes. I mean, that's not ideal by any means. So... Uh, I would say even though their offense has played really well in the playoffs and they have a lot of wins to show for it, it's still not the same that we saw in the regular season. But you also have to expect in the playoffs, it's it's not going to be you know your top guys. You're playing the best competition. You're playing a lot of the times the best goalies, the best defense. And that really has changed you know the offense, I, I believe, and that's why they've had to rely on Matt Vince a lot more. And their defense, that is you – know, primarily the backbone of this team a lot of the times in their wins or their losses. So uh, it's definitely been a a change because you just expect, you know, to show up to the arena and for Buffalo to score 13 plus goals, but that might not be the case during the playoffs. And even for them, I think that's been an adjustment. Yeah. I was going to say the other day you uh, were doing some work for the Buffalo bills and uh, what a 13 hour day. Oh man, it was it was crazy. So how my internship works, uh, it's actually through Pagula Sports and Entertainment. So they are the overarching company over the Bandits, the Sabers, and the Bills. Primarily, what I do in the media and content department is heavily on the Bandits and the Sabers. But for bigger events, you know, I help out the Bills. Uh, and on Monday before you know OTAs and, and minicamp was their media day. So for their media day, every single player has to get their headshots. They have to do all these pictures. They have to do all the hype video pieces. Now that the Bills are 
one of the most liked and nationally ranked teams uh, to potentially get their first Super Bowl. They have crews like NBC and ESPN. They have to do all these pieces for, you know, their nationally televised games. So it's a long day in general, and there's a lot of setup for it. But it's really rewarding to you know, get to see these guys up close and personal and to talk to a Josh Allen and to a Von Miller and to just see this team because it, there is something special with them. Like you see them walk around and there's a different feeling than in previous years. So even though it was a long day and unfortunately I, I had to miss your show uh, on Monday, even though we're doing it right now too, but it, it was pretty cool. No worries. And you know what? If I want to get in the radio, sometimes things happen. So, you know what? It's been a while, probably about two years since I've done a solo show. So it was a mm-hmm. good experience for me and uh, no worries about it. I knew something was going on. So yeah. uh, one thing I wanted to ask you about, I saw something on your social media page. You're a TikTok star now? Yeah. So uh, some of the guys that I work closest with, they run the TikTok accounts for the Bills and the Sabres. And no, they're they're out there, but they are some of the most creative people that I've ever met in my entire life. Their name is Kevin and James, and they make great content. And across the league, I think NFL fans know that the Bills' social media in general is really good. It's really funny and authentic. So for Media Day, what they decided to do is to pretend to be like carnies and run like a carnival. And they brought out the Bills team cars, this huge like tank Toyota Highlander. And they said, if you bowl a strike, you get the car. What the guys didn't know is that the top three pins were drilled down into, into the ground. So these guys were going up. They're like, oh, I can do this easy. Looked like it would have been a perfect strike, and the pins aren't going down, and they're all confused. So I helped them set that up in the, in the shoot. And I was a little extra in the background, but it was, uh, it was pretty funny. Yeah. Hey, I was at a Ontario hockey league game in Hamilton Sunday against Windsor game five. And I shot some, uh, obviously I took some pictures and shot some videos. I posted one video on TikTok, my TikTok page, I live mm-hmm. with CDP. And it was just the opening where they shut the lights off. They had this music on, they had all the people put their, uh, flashlights on their cell phones. It was kind of cool. And I thought, okay, I'll post it on my TikTok page, 32 and a half thousand views later and 4,000 likes. Wow. And that's what's so weird about TikTok is in the algorithm, some people interact with it and it can just skyrocket up pretty quickly. Well, yeah, like most of my videos are usually about, I don't know, 400, 500 views, but 32,500 views, and uh, I've got now 850 followers, so in another 150, I should start being able to go live on TikTok, because I never would go on TikTok before, I thought it was all for younger people, but you know what, there's people my age or even older on there, and it's a Mm -hmm. great tool, it's a great tool to promote myself and my podcast. And what yeah. I'm doing with the media. I do my three minute interviews like yourself and some mm-hmm. of the other guys I've done. And I post them on TikTok and then I share them on my other social media pages. Yeah, I think at this day and age, you have to adjust to what's popular. And that app, I mean, since really COVID happened, I remember I was taking a marketing class. What was that? In 2020. And uh, one of our teachers, we had to do an assignment on social media and what my group had to do was on TikTok, and none of us have ever heard of it. We're like, what is this new app, whatever. Yeah. And then, you know, the world gets shut down and TikTok yeah. was the rave. So we were kind of, uh, you know, the, the newbies before it was cool on TikTok. But yeah, I would say over the past two years, it's, it's one of the top apps. So I, I think that's really good that you're doing that. 
Yeah, thank you. Sometimes you post videos on there and you think they'll do well and then they don't. And then, like I said, on Sunday, I posted something and then all of a sudden it's like, wow, I, mm -hmm. I, I it's like I never had so many people watch my videos. So it's just kind of cool. But uh, it's another tool to use for my uh, podcast and my media work. So, yeah, absolutely. Definitely. Okay, we'll just get to some questions, uh, Griffin. Uh, and by the way, I got your name right, Griffin. Yeah. So, one of my favorite players is Blake Griffin, so that's how I got yeah. your name mixed up. But you were cool about it, and I appreciate that. Yeah, always will be. Okay, Griffin, can you just tell my audience here in Guelph, it's just about two hours from Buffalo and about yeah. an hour from Toronto. Can you yeah. just tell us a little bit about yourself, and when did you decide you wanted to pursue a career in journalism and broadcasting? Yeah, so my name's uh, Griffin De La Pena. I'm a 20-year-old going into my senior year at Canisius College in Buffalo. Uh, it's a Division One school. Uh, you know, I'll, I'll kind of tie in of how I wanted to pursue this career, but ever since, you know, this is kind of cliche, but I remember the first time me and my dad, it was like a Saturday morning. I was probably six or seven years old. I run down. It's early in the morning to our basement. My dad's already down there, and he's flipping through the channels. And I was like, oh, what are we going to watch? He turns on ESPN and it was Sports Center. I was like, I've never seen it before. I thought it was the coolest thing ever. And I was like, Dad, what is this? It's like, oh, it's Sports Center. And from that day on, I was completely fascinated because I love sports. I was an avid sports fan. I really missed out in my childhood the whole like superhero Marvel phase. Like I just got straight into sports at a really young age. And uh, from that day on, I told my dad, I was like, I want to do that. I thought it was the coolest thing ever that. You know, there's people that get paid and sit behind a desk in fancy suits and just talk about sports all day. So, you know, you can go back throughout elementary school, middle school and high school, like all of the sheets that say, oh, like, what do you want to do when you grow up? I've always said this. So fast forward a little bit into high school. I was a pretty good baseball player. I had some you know, division one looks. My sophomore year had a really bad shoulder injury, which kind of took away from some of my division one interests going into my junior year. So I had a lot more local schools looking at me. Uh, I had a great junior and senior year and was really down to some schools. I had to pick, okay, am I going to pick my baseball career or do I want to go to the school that's going to best prepare me for what I want to do for the rest of my life? And the one school that kind of had the best of both worlds was Canisius College. And uh, funny story about that. So I got my name Griffin because my parents met at Canisius. Their mascot okay. is the Golden Griffins. So I've been around that school my entire life. And uh, long story short, you know, I, I didn't have a scholarship offer to play baseball at Canisius originally. I did have some interest from them previously before my shoulder injury. So I told their coach after I said I was going to go there, I was like, hey, I'd love to try out, uh, see if I can make the team. My freshman year, I did do that. COVID happens. Everybody gets to come back because of their eligibility purposes and the NCAA granting everybody a year back. So I'm sitting here uh, going into my sophomore year. All these older catchers were you know, going into their fifth year on the depth chart. And I'm basically told, okay, you might you know, be the starter your senior year. And I, I, I sat around and thought about it. And I was like, I don't think that's going to be for me. I think I'd rather start my career now and just give that 110%. Really all I wanted to do was just prove that I could play at the division one level and prove that to myself. So it was a really tough decision to hang them up, but I'm really happy with my decision. So over this, you know, extended period of time in the past year, I, I mentioned it earlier, but for uh, the Batavia Muck Dogs, they're a 
uh, summer collegiate wooden bat league. So kids all across the country come to this league and it's a scouting purpose to try to get drafted. Uh, so we'll get into that a little bit more, but uh, I was uh, a one man crew in their media and content department. So I did you know, 50 games home and road, broadcasted all of those, ran their social media, did their marketing, sold tickets. I, I did it all last summer and that opened the door to me to work at Pagula Sports and Entertainment and uh, work for the Buffalo Sabres and the Bandits and write articles for them and get great experience there. And then also at Canisius now, I'm their go-to guy for play-by-play -play as every single Canisius sport. Uh, we have a joint agreement with ESPN3, so all of our you know, sports are televised on their airwaves, and I've gotten great experience doing that too. Okay. Playing baseball, what positions did you play again? What positions? So I was a catcher. catcher. I was a catcher, yeah, and uh, not good on the knees, but I – Played that ever since I was seven years old. It was my favorite spot and didn't want to change from that. So, yeah, freak injury, torn my uh, labrum, broke my collarbone. It was a, a gruesome injury, but came back from it. And, yeah. Playing catcher. When I played baseball, obviously I wasn't good enough to play college or whatever. I played catcher too. And uh, and I, I love the position, but you do take your uh, bumps and bruises and stuff like that. And uh, <laughs> I had a few uh, bumps and bruises from it. And But I loved it. It was like playing goalie in hockey yeah. because because you're, you're in control of the game being behind the plate. Mm -hmm. And that's what I love. I love being in it every single pitch, being like the quarterback of, of the team and I was always like the vocal leader anyway. So it just kind of made sense for me to play there. Okay. And you did answer my next question because sometimes, Hey, with listening, you ask one question, the guest gives you answers to three or four. So mm -hmm. this question you already answered about where you went to school, obviously, did you have any mentors when you were breaking into the, in the broadcasting journalism industry? Oh yeah, for sure. I mean, I still, I'd still say, I mean, I really haven't broken completely yet as, you know, I'm still in school, but somebody that's been there throughout the way, uh, Tim Graham, he works for The Athletic. Uh, he's actually a uh, professor at Canisius too. He's an adjunct professor. I took a class with him as a sophomore, sports journalism uh, 326, I believe it was. And he's just an amazing guy, right? He, uh, he's been doing this for a long time, long time beat writer for the Buffalo News. Uh, a few years back, you know, they had some uh, financial issues, so he took a buyout. Now he's working with the, uh, excuse me, The Athletic. Loves it there. Great guy. Talked to him all the time. Uh, it was really cool for me to be able to be with him in the press box and sit with him with the Sabres this past year. So he's a guy, I would say. Um, another guy that used to be in the Buffalo market was Marcel Luis Jock. He was an ESPN writer for the Buffalo Bills. He was their beat writer for two different seasons. Before last season, he actually took a little bit of a promotion and went down to Miami to cover the Dolphins for ESPN. So he's a guy that last year really took me under his wing as I love doing stuff on air and want to do broadcasting or be a studio host or, you know, a reporter, but I love writing too. And he's someone that is a fantastic writer and he really opened my eyes to potentially do that and maybe even blend the two. So he's someone that I've really admired. And then over this past year too, another guy, Rich Hollenberg, he is the studio host for the Tampa Bay Rays. 
And he's a guy that I've gotten to know really well and has helped me tremendously with my on-air stuff. So I'd say that those are the top three right now, but I've been so fortunate with, you know, I would say at this point, maybe over a hundred people that I've gotten to know just through this industry. And I think that that's, what's really cool. It's networking is so crucial in this and just, you know, being friendly and meeting people like you, like, I think that's what this industry is all about. So I've been very, very fortunate to have a lot of great people in my life. Yeah. My story is similar to yours, except I'm a little bit older, but, uh, we're just going to say connections. I've made friendships. And one thing I've learned uh, to Griffin, not just in the, uh, in the States with the media guys, but even the Canadian guys uh, that are on my podcast too, mm-hmm. they, a lot of them are actually teachers or professors at college and universities yeah. here too, because they have a passion for it and they want to, they want to share their stories and experience with younger students. And uh, I've been really lucky about that. And, and, and my road to getting in this industry is a little different than yours. So I'm trying to work to get into radio. Radio. Uh, and a lot of these guys are telling me, um, I've, I've, I've asked all of them, Griffin, if I should go back to school for this, but they're telling me it's nothing against the school. They're just telling me what I'm doing right now with this podcast, my mm-hmm. volunteer work with Rogers TV, and then I'm doing media freelance work now with the Basketball League, the Ontario Hockey League, and with the Toronto Argonauts. They're telling me that's kind of my own schooling. Yeah, getting experience is the number one, and I think it is – I wouldn't say cliche at this point in time to go to school, but if I had to pick this past year, okay, I have this super big event that I have to cover for the Sabres at this point in time where I have class. 10 out of 10 times, I would rather go to get actual experience in the field with the Sabres instead of going to class. And I I mean, my professors would probably agree because even though learning in the classroom is so important, nothing beats actually going out there and doing it. So I think I would say the same thing as well. I think what you're doing is great. I was going to say, if I was 20, 20, if they had this technology 20 years ago, 25 years ago when I was in college, absolutely no brainer. I would have taken the radio broadcasting Mm -hmm. journalism program, but at least now they do have it. And, and, and it's a big help. And I've, like I said, I've made a lot of connections on here through my podcast and through my guests and all that. And one thing I love about this podcast is hearing stories from everyone because everyone has a different story and how they got into their positions. Yeah, hundred percent. I, I had a podcast of my own throughout COVID uh, you know, just with my schedule and how busy I got, I really haven't gone back to that, but it was a very similar layout too. You know, I just wanted to hear not even just from people in sports broadcasting or journalism, it was more wide ranging in sports. Yeah. I had had athletic trainers on, I had you know, people on you know, ticket sale. Like I, I just wanted to see every single facet of sports. And that's what, even throughout my internship too, it, it is fascinating to see how much goes into making professional sports professional sports i mean it is not just after you show up and it's done like there's hours and hours and hours of stuff that you'll never see from a fan perspective that goes into making it as big as it is well even with the podcast doing it at home i still have to produce my shows booking guests 
and sometimes things happen with guests where the the Wi-Fi goes down or a guest has another work commitment and you just have to the show has to go on. So people don't realize the podcast is not easy. You, it's a lot oh, of work, yeah. but but I, I love it. I have a passion for it. And one thing, Griffin, too, I'm taking your advice and that's what I've been doing. 80% of my podcast is sports, but now I'm getting people from other professions uh, coming mm-hmm. on too to just branch myself out just to, to show a radio station if they're watching this that I can do a little more than sports too. Yeah. And diversifying yourself is huge throughout, you know, my internship. And when people ask me, oh, so you want to do sports? And uh, I don't just say, I feel like there's a lot of people my age that, oh, I want to do play by play. I want to do play by play. When I get asked that question, I just say, I, I love doing everything, right? If I have an opportunity to go run graphics or to go edit a video or to, you know, go out and really just anything like throughout in the media and content department, there is so much stuff, social media, marketing, graphic design. I mean, I want to learn how to do absolutely everything. So after I graduate, I can tell an employer, look, like here's everything I can do. And I can guarantee you that there is not another person that knows how to do as much as I know how to do. And I think like that is what sets you over the edge instead of just you know, being like the rest of the pack and trying to be the best that you can at just one thing. Yeah, I'd rather be really, 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 really good at a ton of things instead of just classifying yourself and just trying to perfect one thing. Because at the end of the day, you can't just perfect one thing anyway. So might as well be good at everything you can do. And that's what I'm doing with the camera work with Rogers mm-hmm. TV being on live TV. And also I'm uh, doing a blog now. I'm not the greatest yeah. writer, but I'm blogging and, and then I'm trying to improve on my writing skills and just try to learn as much as I can. And, and I agree with you on that Griffin. And one thing too, everyone's like, Oh, you're 49, 50 years old, but you know what? Everybody in your profession that's been in their twenties or thirties, they've been great with me. And, and, and it just shows you, it doesn't matter what age you are. People, really want to help each other in this industry. Yeah. And I've ran across very few people that are in very prominent positions and did not want to help me or did not want to give me the light of day to talk to me. Someone you'll probably know, Sam Constantino with Sportsnet, talking to him in 30 minutes. Great guy that I got to know uh, throughout the NHL draft combine. Like people want to help others. Like that's really what it boils down to. And if you're going to be rude, snobby, or think that you're the greatest, Chances are they're probably not going to want to talk to you, but if you're nice and genuine and just want to learn and that you're a fan of them and you, know, you want to talk highly about them, chances are that they'll want to help you. Yeah. And I was going to say the, the Buffalo guys have been really great too. John yeah. Murphy, John from the bandits and, mm-hmm. and the guys from WGR 550. And like I said, I tell people when I come to the States, the Buffalo area is like my second home because yeah. I'm just, I know, I know a lot of people there and a lot of connections and I've made a lot of friendships there. And it's just, it's just been great. It's like I said, I'm not doing this for the money or the fame part of it. I just, this is something I have a passion for and this is something I really enjoy. Yeah, me too. It boils down to that as well. I, if you're happy every single day, you go into work. Like there was one of my coworkers who told me at the end of the Sabre season, uh, we had the end of the season press conferences and he looked at me and he's like, man, like you really love this. I was like, what do you mean? Like, yeah, I do. But I want to know like how you know that. He's like, I've never seen someone so happy to go listen to a press conference and to go write an article about it. And it's true. Like I just, every single day, there's not been one day over this past year where I'm like, oh, I got to go into work today. It's, 
you know, the worst work. thing ever. It's not, not work. Yeah, no, it's not. Not at all. No. And this one, I think you've already answered. Um, how important has been the internships, volunteering to getting into this industry? Uh, it's been everything for me. Uh, I don't think that there's a lot of people that wanted to take the route that I did last summer uh, working for the Muck Dogs. I didn't get paid. Uh, I was essentially a full-time employee working more than 60 hours a week, I'd say, uh, and I didn't get a penny. So it wasn't just doing the broadcast. And I think a lot of people that are in my position, that's all that they want to do. They don't want to sell tickets. They don't want to clean the stands. They don't want to get the opposing team's locker room ready. Like they just want to go in at five o'clock game starts at seven. They do the broadcast and they go home, but you also have the away games. You also have to put in the other hours to, to scout things out. Um, with my baseball background too, I was helping the team actually uh, in some of their practices and stuff too. So uh, it, it was a huge experience for me, not just to get my big first break, I want to say, but it was also for me to realize I've always been a hard worker, but if I want to get to the level of success that I want to be, and I know that I can be, that was the first time for me to go out there and be like, okay, like you talk this talk, now you actually have to go do it. And uh, I think a lot of people recognize that. And I think it was really, really good for me. Yeah. And, and a lot of, I hear this too, uh, with what I'm doing, everyone's like, well, you're not getting paid. But I said, listen, I'm getting experience and I'm yeah. getting opportunities and, and eventually somebody will notice your work. And it just, when you get into a career, even at my age or your age, it takes time. You have to be patient and you got to pay your dues and get mm -hmm. your experience. Yeah. hundred percent agree with that. Okay. You answered this next question, how you end, ended up with the uh, internship at the Pagola Sports and Entertainment. Overall, how has your experience been, and uh, and uh, are you going to try to continue it next season as well with the Sabres and Bandits? Yeah, so it's an interesting position where I'm at. I'll answer the latter first. Uh, how the internships are constructed with Pagula Sports, it's supposed to just be a one-year thing. And a lot of the times that's because they're either a senior in college or post-grad looking for at least something. My case, I was a junior still in school. Like that really doesn't happen a whole lot. Uh, so my plan all along was to do this for a year. And then their other team, the Buffalo Bills, that I could go over there. Unfortunately, I got uh, second place to get a very similar job with the Bills and be their third writer for the team. Uh, so I just found that out this week. But still, I mean, there are going to be so many other opportunities for me. Uh, so it does definitely suck that I can't be with the Sabres next season or the Bandits next season. But that doesn't mean that down the road I could get something full time with them. So I'm still keeping uh, my options open there. But to just talk about how it's gone this season, I mean, I think it's been huge for me. The first half, the first semester that I could say from about the beginning of September to December was a huge time for me to explore every single department in media and content and, you know, just try to learn, see what I really, really liked. And I think going into it, I was very dead set on just trying to do play-by-play -play because I just did that for an entire summer and did that for 50-plus games which I wasn't going to be able to do. I can't just tell Rick Jenneret, hey, man, like, I want to get a game in. 
So I had to learn some other things that I wanted to do. And throughout that time, I really discovered my passion for writing again. And there was a need for that on the Sabre side. And there was a drastic need on the Bandit side of things. So that's how I, I told my higher ups, listen, like I would love to be the beat writer for this team. I think I could do a really good job with the Bandits. I love the sport. I've been around the team before. And I'm not saying I was a professional in lacrosse and trying to cover lacrosse. I never did before that. But it was more learning on the fly at first. And I think at this point in time, I mean, I, I think I've done a, a pretty good job in that. So throughout the season covering, you know, the Sabres has been really cool, uh, especially on the professional level. Getting your name out there has been monumental for me. And then on the bandit side of things, too, learning an entire sport and how to cover it the proper way was very, very influential for me, too. And I was going to say thanks to my friend Pat Gregor from TSN mm-hmm. in Quebec, Canada, and John, yeah. the voice of the Buffalo Bandits. They uh, they came on my podcast, and they taught me a lot mm-hmm. about the game of lacrosse, and then I started watching it, and I went to a rock game in Hamilton, and then obviously I came and saw you guys on April 30th, thanks to John setting that up, and I love the sport, and I'm still learning about it, but now it's like everyone's like, oh, you're only into the big four. And I'm like, no, I'm into the big five now with uh, the yeah. National Lacrosse League. And I had Brian Shanahan, who's a Hall of Fame lacrosse player mm-hmm. here in Canada and an NLL analyst, come on my podcast. And, and this is great because these guys are they're they're so happy that I'm interested in the sport and they're willing to uh, share their knowledge with me as well. Yeah, the the interesting thing about the NLL and lacrosse in general is people that don't know about the sport have never really heard much or or cared about it. But once they get that one game in or they go to a game or they hear more about it, chances are they're really going to like it because you look at Bandits fans. I mean, they are crazy. Like it's almost a cult how much they care about this team. And that is because at some point or another, they – got introduced to the sport and they haven't turned back from it. I really think it's a great blend of so many sports because you have one, a great atmosphere. There's music playing the entire time. It's high intensity, fast pace, a lot of scoring, very shortened uh, in terms of outdoor lacrosse. So I think it makes it more exciting in that way too. But also these players are so good. Like they are very, very good at what they do. And for Monday through Friday throughout the week, they're everyday people because this is not a full-time job for a lot of guys. They have to work at a bank or they're you know, grinding hours somewhere else and they're mostly in Canada and the you know, greater GTA area and they come down for games and that's that. So it, it's a very interesting dynamic and I, I wish and hope that more people get introduced to the sport and then continue to follow it. Yeah, I'll definitely be going to more rock games in Hamilton next year. And hopefully uh, again in Buffalo, if I get an mm-hmm. opportunity to do media work, I would love yeah. to do that again. Once I was going to ask you, I was in Hamilton Sunday. Did you go up that press box and that catwalk? Cause yeah. that, that, that is so I had, I had to, I'm going to be honest with you. I had uh, one of the guys from the Bulldogs take me the back way. I had to go up a whole yeah. bunch of steps, but that catwalk is quite daunting. Yeah, I'm not a guy that's afraid of heights, but if okay. you are, it's uh, I, I could see why. It's definitely interesting. I've heard that uh, the Saddle Dome, that's another place yep. that has an Catwalk. old catwalk like that too. So it was a cool experience. I've never been in a catwalk like that before, but it was uh, the first time I went up there. I was like, oh, wow, this is, is kind of crazy. 
Yeah, one of the guys was nice enough to take me up to 300 level, and then I went up the steps, didn't look down, and then they thank God they have a backup way. But I'll tell you this, the Key Bank Center in Buffalo has an easy way of getting up to the press box. Yeah, yeah, just take the elevator up and you're good to go. Definitely. Hey, um, are you still good for time for a few more minutes? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. What is a daily day like being the Sabres and Bandits uh, uh, game day writer for their websites? Like, what? how does the day start for that? So it really depends. I would say the Sabres is different from the Bandits because the Sabres, it was more of a constant grind and whatever they needed. Uh, for game days for the Sabres, I'll start with them. What I would do would be more of the, the long piece article. So it wouldn't be your quick right after the horn update about, okay, this team won, so-and-so had two goals. The goalie played really well. They scored both goals in the third period. That's that very short, quick to the point article. It would be after the press conferences, after you hear the sound where you try to construct more of I wouldn't even say a feature piece in a sense, but definitely it's not going to be written right after the horn. Like it's not going to be on deadline um, for the bandits. It's a little bit different because I was the only person. So I would have to blend both of those articles together. So if you look at how I write those articles, I try to take bits and pieces of a more long form article to start. And then I will get the, more journalistic approach of okay dane smith had four points uh team high two goals in the third like just very quick to the point cutthroat more towards the middle to the end of the article so that's something that um has been interesting in trying to get different writing styles but in terms of the day-to-day -day, uh for i'll say for saturday i'll probably get to the arena around Five five thirty. just get there, read the game notes, just get accustomed to everything first, see if there's anything that I can, you know, write down specifically about the matchup or you know, some weird stats that I could probably include at some point or another. Watch warm-ups, watch them get stretched out, see if there's going to be any lineup changes, probably go down to the field, talk to some people, and then get ready. Uh, the Sabres is mostly different because that was still while I was in school. So there'd be some days where I would be at our offices at PSC that are right across the street at the Labatt brew house on the third, fifth and uh, the third, fourth and fifth floor, sorry. And uh, would be up there in the office and then I just walk over, but then there'd be some days where I just drive up hour and a half before the game and do it that way. So it really did depend. Okay. And uh, obviously after the game, you stay and uh, you go down to the press conferences and stuff like yeah. that. Um, how is that said is it for, for this series with Colorado? Do they have the Colorado team there too with a player and coach as well? Yeah, so the NLL takes over for the final series and uh, they have a roundtable of guys. It's not just one guy going to the podium. They have three or four mics set up and they'll bring in first the coach and then they'll bring in some players and they'll do that for both teams. So in that, you know, area that you've already been in, in the press conference room, definitely more cameras in there from the local stations. You have some Colorado media in there as well. So even though it's a smaller space, it gets a little bit more crammed in those bigger games. 
Yes. I'm going to say I, I was with the OHL game Sunday in Hamilton, mm-hmm. and one of the former NHL players uh, is a head coach of the Spitfires. His yeah. name's Mark Savard, and he's quite mm-hmm. intimidating. Have you had anybody so far in one of your press conferences that was kind of a little intimidating, especially when you're still new to the industry and learning? Yeah, I would say at first I didn't know how to act around John Tavares just because he is indoor lacrosse. Like, he is by far the greatest of all time. Wayne Gretzky of lacrosse, yes. Yeah, literally. And, uh, you know, he is, like, when you look at him, an intimidating guy kind of puts on a front. But once you get to know him, he is a great guy. He's very, very funny. And we've built a pretty good relationship over this past year. So he was a guy at first I didn't really know how to act around him. But other than that – I just try to go into press conferences or asking questions. If you're confident, um, you know, chances are they're going to give you that, you know, same energy back. So I've never really tried to be looked down upon or just because I was an intern with the Sabres and I'm around everybody else that's a full-time position, regardless if they're with a team or another entity. So, yeah, I'd say that. He's really been the only guy where at first I was like, okay, like he's a little intimidating. Yeah, and like I said, I'm just I agree with you. I just need to get more experience with that. And mm-hmm. and the more you get into these conferences, the more your confidence builds up and, and then you just relax. So that's all it is is for yeah. me and anybody is more experienced doing it. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, just got a few more questions I want to ask you. I wanted to ask you this anyway, since I got you on. Thoughts on the 21-22 Sabres and the direction of the franchise. Do you see it heading in the right direction now after this year? Oh, 100%. I think going into this year, there were some people that were still on the fence about the personnel that got brought in. Uh, They weren't sure. Donnie had a great end of last season when he was the interim. Let's see what he can do full time. And uh, I wasn't around previously when Kruger was there or when Jack was around or when Donnie was around too. But I knew from day one that that atmosphere, being an athlete, being around teams was what it should have been. And anytime I talked to Kevin Adams, when he would address PSE as a whole, we had a few different meetings where we got to ask him questions about the state of the franchise and why he made this move and how they have the right people in the building. And I'm a firm believer in that. I think They have not just the right personnel in the front office, but also the players too. Every single person is bought in. They're there for the right reasons and they want to win in Buffalo. And I think no offense to Jack Eichel or Sam Reinhardt or Rasmus Ristolainen, but those attitudes kind of melted into everybody else. And there was a lot of uneasiness and there was not a good culture there. So I think that, this season was the foundation. They built those building blocks for years to come. They have a lot of young players with a lot of great potential. And I think that this offseason will be the most crucial when we look back in five to six years and see what this team can do if they're going to keep it as how, how it is. Because having three first-round picks, having the cap room that they do – they have a lot of flexibility if they want to go out and get a big name guy or trade for a guy like Alex to He's had a lot of different talks right now, Matt Dumba with the wild. We need some more right D. So there is a lot of interesting moves that can be made, but I would say a hundred percent they're in the right direction. And it's a stretch to say that they'll be ready for the playoffs next year, 
but in 23-24, that is the end-all, be-all. Like, that team will expect to be in the playoffs or it's a failure. Like, that's just going to be how it is. Uh, There's a lot of talk with the playoff drought that they've had. And, you know, that team that they currently have now can't control the past. They can only control for what's going to be the future in years to come. So I definitely think that they are uh, on the right track. Okay. A uh, quick thoughts on Rick Jenneret and obviously Dan Dunleavy is going to be his uh, following yeah. in his footsteps. Are the Sabres still going to do uh, simulcasts on um, MSG and WGR? Or are they going to actually have a TV guy and a radio guy like a lot of teams do? Uh, so I think the plan is to continue with the simulcast from what okay. I know, uh, getting to know both RJ and uh, you know, Dunleavy over the past year, it's been great to get to know Dan and to kind of know what the last nine years has been like for him because he got brought in nine years ago with the thought that RJ was going to be done in two to three years. So he's been, you know, that guy waiting to get called up, waiting to get his chance for such a long time. And, you know, he's turned down a lot of other opportunities to to be another franchise's top guy because he wanted to be here in Buffalo and he knew – what it would mean to to be the head play-by-play guy for the Sabres. So uh, I'm really excited for him uh, to be around a legend like RJ was something that I'll personally never forget. He was my everything growing up, listening to Sabres games, trying to, you know, pretend to be him on the mic and try to resemble his voice. Like it, it was a dream come true. And I'd say throughout this year, I've gotten to do some really cool things, but to, be with him on his final call and to, you know, escort him down to the ice after, you know, he, he said his final words and his final goodbyes. That's something I'm never going to forget. I was going to say, and uh, Buffalo has been lucky with all these great broadcasters, Van Miller, yeah. John Murphy, Rick Jenneret, the late Ted Darling. Uh, he's yeah, probably Ted. before, before your time, but mm-hmm. he, he was just as important to the Sabres as Rick Jenneret. And uh, it's just Ted Darling's life, unfortunately was cut too short. And, and yeah. you know what, even John, when he did the Sabres games, he did mm-hmm. a great job. And to me, you know what, he should have, to me, I, I think John should have had a longer career with the Sabres. But you know what? Now look at him. He's a legendary broadcaster for the Buffalo Bandits and yep. uh, one of the biggest supporters of uh, the National Lacrosse League. So things happen for a reason. Yeah, absolutely. And again, with John, I think he just found another avenue of what he loved. He had some adversity. You know, things didn't really work out on the Sabres side. But he's meant a lot to the Bandits over the years. And you're starting to see that now. But yeah, we've been extremely fortunate over the years to to have so many great broadcasters. Definitely. Just two more things to ask you and I'll let you go. Uh, thoughts on quickly Ryan Miller's number 30 being retired next year. I had to ask you. Yeah, man, I'm so excited about that. He truly deserves it. And growing up, that's another guy like he was the Buffalo Sabres for all young fans and He did so much in our community with Roswell Park, uh, the Cancer Institute in Buffalo and childhood cancer. And, uh, you know, he was, I mean, astronomical in our community and was the face of this city. And I think he really deserves it, not just for the on the ice product and winning a Vesna and being the all-time wins leader as an American-born goalie, but also for what he did in this community. And I think that that's why they made that decision so early because you mostly don't see guys that were retired less than two years ago to get their number retired. And 
to have their name in the rafters. So uh, I think it was just meant to be, you know, I personally don't think it was going to happen as soon as it was, but when I heard the news, you know, a few weeks back that it was going to happen, I mean, it makes complete sense. Definitely. And he, uh, he probably, I, I don't know if he is, but a lot of these guys that retire seem to like living in Buffalo and the surrounding areas. Yeah. Yeah. So he ended his career in Anaheim. His wife actually is from California. So they're still living there right now. They actually have a two month uh, old baby girl. So they're going to stay out there. I wouldn't be surprised if at some point in time they come back, you never know. But there, uh, he's definitely said in some interviews, and you know, after the interviews have been done, from you know what I've heard in conversations with him, he's gonna make it a, a really big emphasis on coming back to Buffalo more, because during his playing career, I mean, he got traded, he he went to, uh, went away to St. Louis, and then went to Vancouver, and then went to Anaheim. So he's kind of been all over the place and far away from Buffalo, but he's trying to make that really end and make an attempt to come back more often yes or no does he get into the hockey hall of fame at some point i would hope so i think he has a pretty good shot i would say personally okay and uh, i had to ask you this too before we wrap things up what are three keys to a buffalo win on saturday night and three keys for a colorado win obviously you want buffalo to win but just for both teams three keys three keys so i'll start with buffalo uh, I think you're going to need a number one, much better defensive performance. So that is regardless if they're going to be keying on Zed Williams and Connor Robinson, or maybe some more emphasis to shut down their secondary scoring. That's number one. Number two, I need to see a big game from a Chris Cloutier, a Connor Fields, Kyle Buchanan, maybe one of those other guys to really step up. We saw Tohoka and Anico in game one really take over. He had five goals and two assists in that game, which kind of came out of nowhere because he really hasn't done a whole lot in the playoffs, but he willed that team to the game one victory. So I need to see somebody else step up. And then for the veterans, I mean, they've been in two different finals back in 2016 and 2019. They lost both of those. The entire season has been dedicated to winning their first title. They have to play their best lacrosse in the biggest game of their career. So that goes for Dane Smith. That goes for Matt Vince. That goes for Steve Priolo. Guys that have been here, they need to do everything they can to win. So that's on the Buffalo side. On the Colorado side, I'll say Dylan Ward has to continue to do great things in that. He's really done a great job in limiting their offense as a whole. So he's number one. Uh, I would say number two, if they can have guys step up again in the fourth quarter late in the game that they're really not going to rely upon for most of the game. If Tyson Gibson can have a great game, he was the rookie of the year uh, back in 2019. If he can have a great game again, I think that that could put them over the edge. And then lastly, I think, I mean, Connor Robinson and Zed Williams, man, if they just have to do everything they can, because without Eli McLaughlin, it's tough sledding for them, but they are right in the thick of things. And after winning at home, I mean, there's no better spot for them to be in. Okay. I'm going to put you on the spot with this prediction. Who wins? What's the score and who's the MVP? I think Buffalo's going to win strictly because they're at home. I think if it was in Colorado, maybe a different story. I'm going to say Buffalo wins 13 to 10. 
Dane Smith is the MVP. I I have a 12-11 Buffalo, and uh, Dane Smith is MVP. I agree with you there as well. Mm -hmm. Okay, and I'm going to wrap this up. Uh, Griffin, I kept you more than 40 minutes, but uh, I want to say thank you so much uh, for coming on live with CDP uh, podcast this morning. And uh, this last question I wanted to ask you, any advice out there for those, not just myself, looking to pursue a career in broadcasting, TV, or radio, journalism, and where can my audience uh, find you on social media if they wish to follow you? I would say any advice. Uh, I think what you're doing uh, is is really amazing. I think you're trying to do everything you can. A podcast is a great format for anybody that wants to try to get into the industry. And you said specifically radio. So I think that's perfect. You're doing everything that on the back end of things, you talked about booking uh, potential guests. You talked about cutting and editing your videos and trying to stay on a format. So your listeners can have you know good content throughout the week and gain a following that way. Uh, but other than that, I think it's just being persistent. If you really want to do this, it's not going to be 75%. You have to give it your all. And then uh, the audience on social media. So uh, my Instagram is just Griffin Delapena, as you see on the screen. And then my Twitter is Griffin DP underscore. Okay. Um, that's great. I was going to say, Griffin, I, I, I'd like to have you again, uh, in the future again yeah. on, as a guest as well. And, uh, I just want to say thank you so much for giving me, uh, the time to come on today and hopefully maybe next weekend we'll run into you at a Bison's game and I'll, I'll bring you a, a coffee, Chris chocolate bar from Canada. It sounds like a plan, Chris. Thanks again, as always. Great seeing you. You too. Thanks, Griffin. And uh, let's go, Bandits. And uh, looking forward to a great take game tomorrow night, 8 o'clock on ESPN Plus and TSN and WGR 550. Thanks again, Griffin, for coming on. Have a great day. And uh, we'll look forward to speaking to you on social media again soon. Awesome. Take care, Chris. See you. Ya. Go, Bandits. Thanks. Go, Bandits. Anyways, guys, I hope you enjoyed my podcast today with Griffin Della Pena. He's a content writer and an intern for Pagolo Sports and Entertainment. He writes articles for the Sabres and Bandits websites and also helps out with the Buffalo Bandits as well. Uh, by the way, guys, just wanted to let you know, next live with CDP podcast, Monday. June 20th at 4 p.m. Eastern. My guest is going to be second-time appearance, Rick Zamperin. He's a morning host on CHML 900 in Hamilton, Ontario, and he's also the host of the fifth quarter after each Hamilton Tiger Cats CFL game on the Tiger Cats audio network. He'll be doing that uh, Saturday night, uh, the Tiger Cats uh, home opener against the Calgary Stampeders at 7 o'clock on TSN and on the Tigers, uh, Tiger Cats audio network. And also after the game, you can listen to Rick Zamperin on the fifth quarter as well. Rick is a huge Leaf fan, and Rick's going to talk to us about the Maple Leafs, Stanley Cup playoffs, obviously the Hamilton Bulldogs. Congratulations to them being the OHL champions, and they're going to be in the Memorial Cup starting Monday. June 20th against the St. John's Sea Dogs, uh, the first game at 7 o'clock. Um, I had the pleasure of uh, interviewing Jay McKee and Mark Savard uh, from Game 5 Sunday in Hamilton. And again, I want to say thank you to Josh Sweetland, Sweetland uh, the Director of Media Communications for the OHL, for setting me up with a media pass for Game 5 of that series. Uh, 
hats off to Hamilton for winning their second title in four years. And the Windsor Spitfires, tremendous year, exciting year. Uh, the Western Conference champions, and they were one game short of the Memorial Cup. They gave Hamilton a harder time than anyone else this year, taking them to seven games. And I want to say a shout out to Steve Bell, the longtime play-by-play announcer for the Spitfires, and Manny Pava, uh, the color analyst. They both did a great job on CKL. W800 in Windsor and uh, both great guys and the Spitfires have a good organization and um, they should be a good team next year as well. Speaking of that, the Gulf Storm uh, open up their season next year, the 2022-2023 season against those OHL and possibly Memorial Cup champion Hamilton Bulldogs on Friday, September 30th at the Sleeman Center. So I'm looking forward to that as well. Uh, guys, just to let you know, since we're talking lacrosse, 2022 NL Finals, Game 3, the deciding game, Colorado-Buffalo. This Saturday night, June 18th, 7.30, TSN, ESPN+, and you can listen to the Bandits broadcast with John Gookler, uh, Gerkler, uh, pardon me, uh, at uh, on WGR 550 at um, 8 o'clock. I guess they'll be on the air at 7.30. But you guys, it's going to be a great game between Buffalo and Colorado. Uh, I agree with Griffin. I'm picking Buffalo to win 12-11, um, and Dane Smith is the MVP. So you guys can check it out on TSN, ESPN, or WGR 550 in Buffalo. And uh, it's going to be a great game, and it's sold out. They'll have over 19,000 fans in Bandit Land. So looking forward to that as well. And also, guys, the Golden State Warriors won their seventh ever NBA title last night in Boston and their fourth title in 88 years with a 103-90 final and defeated the Celtics in six games. They won the last three games of the series. And Steph Curry finally got his first NBA Finals MVP. So four titles for Steph Curry, and he finally gets that uh, Finals MVP award. And you know what? Steve Kerr, hell of a coach. Uh, when he was a player, he had five championship rings as an NBA player, and now as a head coach, he has four more rings. So that's nine in total for Steve Curry. The Golden State Warrior dynasty is back. Uh, Toronto Raptor fans in, uh, in 2019 thought they ended it, but guess what? The Warriors are back on top as champions, and uh, and it just shows you how hard it is to win a championship. And Golden State had uh, uh, difficult years in 2020 and 2021, and it was so great to see Clay Thompson, who was out most of two years because of an ACL. He tore an ACL against the Raptors in the 19 finals, and then when he uh, came back, he was supposed to come back in 2021. He tore his other ACL, so he had to go through two ACLs torn ACLs and miss over two years of basketball and and now Clay Thompson gets his fourth NBA championship so so happy for Clay Thompson and Steph Curry and uh and and whether you like him or not Draymond Green uh one of the all-time greats as well and uh Steve Kerr as well so congratulations to the Golden State Warriors and congratulations to the Boston Celtics too uh I personally did not pick them to come out of the east I picked the Milwaukee Bucks because they were the defending champs last year but great year for the Boston Celtics and they did get a, a Eastern Conference championship and they will be back, but they made too many mistakes in this series and also too many turnovers. You can't turn the ball over 18 to 21 times a game against the team as quality is Golden State as well. And let's see, guys. The 2022 Stanley Cup Finals resume on Saturday night at 8 o'clock on ESPN and TSN. 
uh, sorry, not TSN, ESPN, ABC, and Sportsnet, my mistake. Tampa Bay at Colorado, game two. Avalanche laid the series 1-0 after their 3-2, or sorry, 4-3 overtime win on Wednesday. 4-3. So uh, me bad on that. So 4-3, Colorado won in overtime. So we'll see if the uh, Tampa Bay can get a split in Colorado before going back uh, home to Tampa for game three and four. And also, guys, just to let you know, the 2022 Kia Memorial Cup begins this Monday, June 20th, as these four teams battle out for the Memorial Cup Championship, which hasn't been played since 2019 because of the pandemic. You got Hamilton, Edmonton, Shawinigan, and St. John's, the host team. Uh, the opening game is Hamilton and St. John's game one on Monday, June 20th at 7 o'clock on TSN. So look forward to that. And uh, also, guys, uh, before I wrap things up on my podcast, uh, just one second. Live with CDP Podcast, the audio version is downloaded onto Google Podcasts, Anchor FM, Apple Podcasts, Breaker, Pocket Cast, Radio Public, Spotify, CastBox, and LinkedIn. And I want to say thank you to everyone watching this live on my YouTube channel. Please subscribe if you already haven't. I'm up to 107 subscribers now. I still got a ways to go. And thank you to everyone watching this on Facebook Live and on my Twitter page at Chris D. Palme. That's at Chris D. Palme if you wish to follow me there as well. I will be downloading this podcast shortly as well. And also, guys, just to let you know, you guys can also follow me on TikTok at Live with CDP. I post a lot of content on TikTok, again, at Live with CDP as well. And uh, I will be uh, making getting some new podcast shirts made up this summer, thanks to my friend Laura. Uh, the podcast shirts will be around $15, but I've decided to change the uh, look of them. So uh, bear with me in the next couple of weeks, and hopefully I'll have some new podcast shirts to sell for $15 plus shipping if you're out of Guelph as well. And again, I want to say thank you so much to today's guest, Griffin Della Pena, digital content writer for the Buffalo Sabres and Buffalo Bandits websites and an inspiring broadcaster in the Buffalo, New York uh, area for coming on today and talking about his uh, his career, his schooling with Canisius College, his internship with Pagola Sports and Entertainment and his uh, doing writing for the Bandits and the Sabres and now also now being involved with the Buffalo Bills as well. So um, check out his uh, website. Um, on these two websites right here, I'm going to post nhl.com slash savers. And uh, also you can check out the, the Bandits website, bandits.com as well. Griffin does a great job writing for those uh, both of those teams. And uh, I look forward to seeing him in the future as a, a broadcaster. Uh, a really good guy. And uh, I've been lucky to meet a lot of nice people with this podcast. So very appreciated of, again, of the Buffalo Bandits and John and Aliyah for setting me up with that media pass on April 30th at the Key Bank Center, and I'm hoping to come back to Buffalo next year to cover more Bandits games as well. Guys, you can also follow the lacrosse league at www.nl.com or just basically Google the National Lacrosse League, and that, that website will keep you up to date on all the action the happenings with the National Lacrosse League and obviously the NL Finals, which is tomorrow night, 8 o'clock, ESPN+, Plus, TSN, and WGR 550 as well. So... And also, guys, you can check out my uh, wordpress.com slash home slash live with CDP podcast dot wordpress dot com. Again, that's wordpress.com slash home slash live with CDP podcast 
uh, .wordpress.com. I do all my uh, blogging on that website, and uh, I will be doing another blog uh, hopefully in the next week or so as well. And uh, that's pretty well it, guys. Again, my next live with CDP Podcast, Season 3, Episode 54, Monday, June 20th, 4 o'clock. My guest is going to be Rick Zamperin, the morning host on CHML 900 in Hamilton, Ontario, and the host of the fifth quarter after each Tiger Cats CFL game will be on. And Rick's going to talk to me about uh, the Hamilton Bulldogs, the Memorial Cup, the Hamilton Tiger Cats, the CFL, and uh, where the Toronto Maple Leafs go uh, next year after their first play- first round playoff exit again to Tampa Bay in seven games. So I hope you guys can tune in uh, this Monday, 4 o'clock, with Rick Zamperin, and uh, it should be a good another good podcast. So again, I want to say thank you to Griffin Delapina for coming on live with CDP this morning. And again, guys, I hope you have a great night and enjoy the uh, um, Major League Baseball on tonight. The CFL's on tonight, and uh, also the Stanley Cup playoffs and the NL finals this weekend. So have a great weekend, guys, and thanks for watching and listening to Live with CDP podcast. We'll see you Monday at 4 o'clock with Rick Zamperin. Have a great day, everybody, and thank you so much.